All right, Gengar Attain, we are back with another episode from The Vault. This one is with Kevin Lau, who at the time was working with Adobe, uh, now works for an organization called F5. But Kevin is an expert in building advocacy. He's built advocacy programs for some of the largest software companies out there. Um, he's always a treat to talk to. And one thing that we talked about in this episode that I pulled out and wanted to resurface for everyone is creating emotional connections with customers and deepening relationships can't always be automated. So Kevin, I think is really striking a balance of how do we build these intimate and deep relationships with our customers while at the same time, making sure that we've got scale, that we can spread the message more broadly. Um, and so I think he's been doing this in a really cool way. So just wanted to bring this episode back up for you all and give it a listen. So here is Kevin Lau. We've got another episode of Game Grow Routine. And today we've got Kevin Lau, who is the global head of customer advocacy digital experience at Adobe. So uh, Kevin, we're coming coast to coast here and uh, appreciate you hopping on for a few minutes and, and talking with us today. Yeah, no, thanks for inviting me. So we always like to start off with a curveball question. Um, and, you know, I did give you, I did not give you any prep on this. And so, um, you know, my, my question for you today is, uh, which type of barbecue do you like better? Is it from Texas and like the Midwest barbecue, or do you like kind of a Southeast style barbecue? Oh, um, I mean, I get, I guess I don't really have necessarily a preference. I've been to Texas more, so I like, you know, um, I, I think he's more like a dry rub, right? Yeah. yeah. And I think, yeah, brisket. and they do a little bit more brisket. Uh, yeah. So then you get a little bit more beef in, in Texas, a little bit more pork in the South. For yeah. The most part. I mean, I don't, I don't have a strong preference either way, but I, <laughs> I've been to Texas more frequently. So I'd say that, you know, I'm, I guess I'm used to that, that type of barbecue. I like it. I appreciate you. Uh, indul I'll actually ask you one more too, just to keep this going, just because I, I like this. Um, so thanks for indulging me. But what's your favorite fruit? Favorite fruit? Um, I would probably say mangoes. Mangoes. We haven't heard mangoes yet. A lot of, a lot of yeah. strawberries. Um, I like mangoes too. I yeah. always ask, Jay, what's your favorite fruit? Do you change it? Um, I like cherries a lot. Cherries. My wife yeah. would say that too. Not, not not candy cherries, but like actual cherries. I think they're really good for you too. Kevin, we were just joking. This isn't about customer marketing or IFC or anything. It's about food. It's a food, <laughs> food, food podcast. Food, food podcast. Uh, <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, Kevin, you know, we, we kind of bounced around a couple of notes beforehand. So um, I think one of the, the easiest places for us maybe to start and one thing that we hear often uh, that maybe... Uh, is, is kind of a trigger for Jay and I these days. It's just a lot in the community or when you're out in customer success, you kind of hear about, you know, building advocacy and building advocates as kind of a, just a moment or a stop, a stopping point. It just kind of is like, oh, we're going to build advocates. And it's kind of a, a one level, one-stop shop. But I'm curious, you know, how, how have you approached that? Like, how do you, you know, how do you, how do you look at that as kind of a, a step ladder or more of like, you know, having different actual levels or steps that advocates can be. Cause I would imagine that there's not just one level, right. There's, there's kind of multiple rungs. Um, so how have you envisioned that or how have you kind of rolled that out at Adobe? Yeah. So I guess a little bit of my background too, that might be helpful. So, um, I've been at Adobe now for about four years. Um, I came back uh, from the market acquisition a couple of years ago. Um, and so at the time, you know, we were going through this whole transformation of, uh, publicly traded company, uh, then to private equity. And so if, for anyone that's worked at a private equity firm, you know, that their biggest thing is they want to save money. They want to cut costs. They want to do everything as possible to retain the customer, grow the the pipeline, grow the, the new logos, et cetera. Right. So we were playing in a an environment where we had to be creative. We had to be, um, 
you know, wear multiple hats, do all kind of like the, the, the things that would help us uh, get the company to be profitable at the end of the day. And so I would say the community, the customer base was kind of the main driving factor that, you know, I'd like to say that that helped um, Marketo get acquired. And we had to start off from a, a situation where we had customers that really loved the product and they've been using it for 10 years. Um, you know, they, they loved it inside out and they would constantly talk about, you know, how Marketo was sort of like that, that uh, career defining um you know, software solution that helped define marketing operations for that that space in that industry. Um, and we had to kind of figure out like, what were some of the the key ingredients that would help create sort of like these advocates for life or these customers for life? Um, you know, we work very closely with uh, customer success and other folks that work, work within sort of like the customer experience space. I think it's more of a collaboration between customer success, marketing, sales, uh, customer support, et cetera. And so oftentimes the way we kind of approached it in the early days was that, we had sort of these like disparate programs, you know, we had, we had a customer reference program. We had, um, you know, customer stories that we're trying to pursue. We had all these kind of things that most traditional companies think about when they're starting to build an actual discipline around how do you wrap your hands around your customers, showcase their successes and help them, you know, really see the value of the purchases um, or the products or the services that they're purchasing. Right. Um, and so we had these different programs. Uh, nothing was really solidified in a way that it made sense from a customer journey perspective um, or for the, the actual sellers and, and the customer success organization. And so my initial um, approach to it was kind of figuring like, how do we structure this so that it actually is aligned with the customer journey? It makes sense. Customers understand what's the value that we provide besides just the software. Um, and so we created something called the Advocate Nation, which we still have today. Um, essentially, it's a portfolio of our you know, customer advocacy programs uh, aligned to the journey where, you know, as people go through their onboarding experience at the time that they have that renewal conversation, um, you know, there's different touch points that are designed to help the customer, um, you know, feel appreciated, feel like they're actually getting value, help the customer success rep, um, you know, build those relationships. Because oftentimes, as you, as you guys probably know, there's too many accounts that one CSM has to manage and they are kind of given the brunt force of just they had to build a relationship. They have to take care of the renewal. They have to take care of the upsell, the cross sell. And at the end of the day, how do you actually accomplish all those things without having some type of marketing arm or resource to help you get to that level? Um, and so we work pretty closely with the customer success teams just to kind of develop this, the set of programs. And of course we work with them, uh, heavily to help promote them as well. And so we, we designed uh, a series of different programs, things like, uh, the customer reference program is part of that customer stories, our customer awards, uh, which we call the experience maker awards. Um, we also have some elite programs around our online community, which we call the marketing nation. Um, and then we also have uh, programs like the Marketo engaged champion program, uh, which is sort of like, you know, the, the cream of the crop is the folks that are the most um, invested in the product and they've shown their, their product expertise and, you know, it's very exclusive. And then we have other programs designed around how do we help, um, you know, mid-level managers or folks that are sort of that influencer level, how do we help them achieve that next, um, the next role when they're trying to become a C-suite leader, like a, a CMO or, you know, chief uh, customer officer. And so we have all these different programs to kind of help them uh, hit that next milestone, because if we help them achieve their successes by default, you know, they want to stay with us and they feel like they're part of that larger community. Um, so that's kind of what we started to do early, early, uh, early stages. Man, I loved uh, so many different things in there. I feel like there's so many different avenues that we could go down. But one thing that um, I'll say, and I'll let Jay maybe jump in here too, is 
throughout that entire thing, the, the thing that I just took as the thread is like the human to human part. Like, I don't think once that I hear you mention how it's like, we want that account or that company to be a reference for us, right? It's, you were talking about how do we help them do better at their jobs? How do we help a, a mid-level manager? How do we, uh, you know, it's all about being elite or being engaged in these, in these ways. So that's like the one big takeaway for me is like how, you know, when you're thinking about this advocacy type program, like it really has to be centered around the human component of it, of like what's in it for that individual to, that they can use in their career to propel themselves, to uh, help, you know, drive more results internally with your, your product. How do they go help tell that story more? Like all these different things. So that was one thread I just took out through there, but Jay hop in. No, I, lo- I love that too. And, and I, we always talk about our customers are people, they're not companies, right? Because right. obviously those advocates can go to different companies and hopefully they'll take you with them when they go. So I love the, the mindset there. So I'm curious, Kevin, you talked about sort of that, loosely affiliated or disparate set of programs, which all sound like the right kind of things to be focused on to begin with. But can you give a little more context on like, what order did you start bringing all these things together? Like what, what did you do first, second, and third? Cause I mean, frankly, we're, we're picking your brain here too. Cause we're in that same state. Like we have yeah. a really loosely defined reference program and we're looking to mature that significantly over the next year. So how can we, can we learn from you a little bit? Yeah. On that? Um, I mean, I think the uh, word kind of all started was that, you know, as we went through, um, you know, publicly trading company to private equity, the biggest concerns customers had at that time was like, is this private equity firm going to still invest in the product? Is it going to be, is it going to live beyond the two or three years and it's just going to get sold into like a bigger company and that's it? And so we had to kind of reassure customers at the end of the day, this is something that our product teams, our investors really see the value in a marketing automation solution and not, you know, you know, breaking apart and then selling it off to different, you know, organizations and whatnot. And so I had to have a lot of, uh, you know, conversations with customers at the end of the day. And I think that's the biggest critical thing that you probably hear all the time, which is often overlooked is just talk to your customers and find out what are the things that they care about. Um, it's also kind of surprising in how much product teams don't really do that. And they have this sort of like inside out perspective on just like, oh, this is what we think customers should want and what they should be using. But then when you talk to the customer, it may be completely different. And so when we had those initial conversations, it was like identifying what are the things that you care about? What are the things that are working really well with our existing communities, our existing programs? How can we elevate them so that it has more of a strategic importance in your organizations or you know, across your um, your your, uh, your colleagues or your um, you know other folks within your your industry? And so we took a lot of that initial feedback and I would say the, the key ingredient that helped us transform everything was we started to reevaluate um, both our community program, uh, which was the marketing nation community and how do we drive more engagement? How do we create more opportunities for customers to be celebrated and uh, to get that elevated expertise and just that, um, that recognition. And then the second thing was we uh, completely reimagined uh, what we call our Marketo engaged champions. So that's, Again, that's a program where um, it used to be, uh, you know, 60 people would be selected. They'd have to apply for the program. They have to do all these different, um, you know, requirements to be part of that. And then we went through a process of kind of transforming that completely from the ground up on how do we make it more engaging? How do we give uh, those customers opportunities to talk to the product teams? How do we give them that sort of like that white glove treatment so that they feel like they're almost sort of like our brand ambassadors and they feel like they're part of an extension of our team? And so I would say that was something that really helped uh, shape the foundation of everything we did with 
related to the advocate nation. Um, so it's more specifically, you know, we changed it from 60 people to 40 individuals. Uh, it came much oh, more, um, much more competitive. And now we're actually celebrating our 10th year um, running the program this year. So it's kind of a big milestone for us. Um, and the other thing that we really appreciate was that we helped to get a lot of the C-suite leaders at Marketo involved and proactively talking to these customers. And so those champions, by default, they felt appreciated. They felt like their voices were being heard. Um, even before that, um, uh, probably not supposed to say this, but um, there was one time when we had some customers that were very passionate. They actually sent this laundry list um, uh, letter to the CEO at the time saying like all their grievances and basically saying like why Marketo is no longer surviving or, and so they were kind of, you know, worried about that. So from going from that kind of situation to now like a complete 360 where they feel like loved, appreciated and validated, that's kind of like the ultimate pinnacle of what we're trying to accomplish at the end of the day. That, that's awesome. On, on the one hand, it's good because when a group of customers get together to send you that kind of letter, it, it means they care enough about you right. to give you the feedback, <laughs> although it can still be hard to digest and prioritize and get it get it done. Yeah. But sure. what we found is that just like what you're saying, just like rallying around a subset of those customers and just being proactive in the, the way you show love to them and bring them into the decisions you're making can go a really, really long way. And even buy you a lot of time to get your product where it needs to be if it's not where it needs to be. So you started with your super high touch program and then worked down and out toward your more your high volume programs. Is that how it the, the flow yeah. happens? So kind of similar to um so our entire suite of uh advocacy programs I can kind of mention. So I mentioned we have like customer references, we have the champions, we do uh, customer stories, we have our awards program. We also have a, a customer advisory board, so CAB. Um, and then um, a bunch of other kind of engagement opportunities. But the champions, the reason we started with that one was because these were, to your earlier point, these are folks that are super in, they're super involved, they wanna be involved, they care and they're very passionate about the product already. They just need to channel their energy in the right direction. And so we helped to leverage this, this community um, of these sort of like, you know, elite practitioners to help drive the engagement and help us to essentially kind of drive the awareness. So they would post, you know, videos on social, they would post blog posts, they would, our entire customer adoption nurture program. So we have sort of two sides of the equation when we think about customer marketing. So my team runs customer advocacy. So that's sort of all the things that we kind of just mentioned. But then we have another team that runs um, customer adoption or uh, value realization programs. And so when you think about like, what's the experience like from a customer that goes through their onboarding journey, right? They want to know what are some of the things out of the gate that they need to be aware of? Uh, you know, how do we, you know, besides logging into the product, what are the one or two tips or tricks or resources that they should know right out of the gate to ensure that they are actually seeing value from their, their purchase, right? So we actually have Marketo Engaged Champions create content for our nurture. So we put them front and center. We said it probably makes more sense for them to hear from another customer than it does to hear from an Adobe or Marketo employee on why they should use the software, why they should use this feature and function. And so we found that by simply just having and inserting these customers into the mix, engagement went up drastically. They felt like they could speak to their peer and it felt like it was more of a, a conversation, not a sales pitch or anything like that. It was just a natural thing that they were going through. Um, and so they were more likely to, to absorb the content and then we also have like an adoption score. So the adoption score started to increase. Um, and then we started to uh, develop more mature, you know, ways that we can kind of engage customers down the road. 
I love that so much. The idea of, of bringing your customers back into the customer journey and actually having, like you said, kind of those moments where you um, are giving them as a champion opportunity to, to do something that's, you know, they're engaging with essentially other customers. The other thing I think that inherently probably does, um, and I don't know if this, if you can maybe tie correlation, but maybe just by the sheer fact that I'm able to see another customer who's kind of telling me their first time to value or, you know, something that they got out of the tool first, like I'm probably much more likely to go engage with them in the community as well. Right. Cause I'm like, Oh, if this person's talking to me here, I wonder if I can go find that person in the community. And then like, I don't know if that's also, again, I don't know if there's a direct correlation you could tie there, but I would imagine that that kind of has a snowball effect where now I'm much more likely to go get engaged in the community. Cause I'm hearing from customers already, you know, throughout some of these first value realization moments. And uh, now it's natural for me to go kind of use that forum to, to see more of those or to hear more stories or to do, you know, ask questions, that kind of thing. Yeah. So we have a bunch of different, um, sort of touch points that we try to engage them. So we have the the online nurtures that they can be part of once they you know become a customer. Then as sort of like the next step, we encourage them to go to our user groups. So that was the other piece that I forgot to mention earlier that we manage. Um, so there's about a hundred and something chapters globally. Uh, I think there's like maybe 5,000 members that are part of that. And then of course they have the online community that they can also participate in. So they constantly will start to see the same individual across each of these different channels. And so they kind of feel a little bit more comfortable. They know like, okay, this is the, you know, so-and-so that's an expert on this particular feature function. And he's the person I can go to if I have any particular questions or if I have questions about how, how to, you know, get my implementation started, what are some of the things to kind of avoid when they're going through that process? Um, so these are things that our user groups would tackle. So they'll have office hours, they'll have, you know, deep dive sessions. They'll even invite partners from time to time to talk about how can, you know, different integrations work with uh, with Marketo, with Adobe solutions to make it easier for them. Um, and so these are kind of the things that users want to be um, involved in and want to talk about. I think with COVID this year, it was a little bit more challenging because we went from a, you know, in-person setting where everyone can kind of get together in an office and you know, have some food and, and talk, uh, talk shop. What we've actually found is that the number of user group meetings increased drastically, even though people started to have, you know, Zoom fatigue and video conferencing fatigue, but there's still that element where they want to connect and engage with their peers. And so we, we saw there was a drastic increase in the number of meetings that wanted to happen just because they wanted to talk to each other. Um, and so that was like another touch point where beyond just sort of like the digital nurtures and everything else, we still provided these opportunities for them to kind of talk to each other. It's great. You know, were your, are your user groups geographically centered? Is that how you grew? Yeah. So originally they were based on uh, certain cities or metropolitan cities that had the most concentration of users. And so these are all customer led user groups. And so they typically it's maybe one or two customers that, you know, want to run it. And minimum requirement is they have to have at least 10 active users that want to attend their meetings. Um, we have some chapters that have over a thousand members. We have some that have just 50, but the wow. main kind of similar thread is that they all love Marketo. They all love the product. Um, and they want to talk about just sort of like in the weeds discussions on how can they get the most benefit from using their, their, their technology, their software. Um, we've also started to, um, just over the, the time that we've, we've gone through our acquisition, um, most of the work that we did initially was with Marketo, but now because of the work that we started to run, um, we're now doing um, advocacy or customer marketing for the entire digital experience business at Adobe, which now represents about eight or nine solutions. So we're taking a lot of the learnings we had and creating that blueprint to then replicate it across uh, those other eight or nine solutions. So each of them are a little bit different. You know, it's a, some of them are different customer personas like analysts and you know developers compared to marketers. And so the approach is slightly different, but 
we're taking a lot of those learnings to, to help influence a lot of the retention and, and um, you know, onboarding discussions that we have with customers. The, the CS teams and these different solutions must love you guys because you like snap in to what they're trying to accomplish anyway. Yeah. I mean, we work really closely with, um, with the folks there. Um, it is a little bit more challenging because you're dealing with like, you know, we went from 1500 employees at Marketo to now like close to 25,000. So the scale is, is drastic, but we, we, we have found a very warm uh, reception from a lot of these uh, customer success folks and um, other individuals from the customer experience space. So I, I, just one more question on that. How do you think about, because you guys can't do this all yourselves. I assume your team hasn't scaled directly proportionally with the, all those eight or nine solutions you've taken on. So how do you think about getting business ownership over the initiatives? Do you deputize people? Do you have to recruit people? Is it sort of a mandate from the top down? How, how do y'all think about that? And getting yeah, so I would say this manpower. is like a million dollar, million dollar question of 2020, right? It's how do you, um, I think the one, the one biggest uh, area of opportunity that came from this whole pandemic is that organizations finally understood that they need to invest in their customer retention efforts. Like, you know, I mentioned a little bit earlier, it, it was so much of a, they put so much emphasis on the CSM doing all that legwork from building the relationship, taking care of the renewal, taking care of any of the cross-sell, upsell opportunities. And inadvertently, um, for some reason, you know, new logo acquisition was always 75% of a company's mission and goal, right? It's like put all the resources in demand gen, put everything into how can we get new logos and new new customers on board and then spend as little as possible to support the existing customer base. I would say with COVID this year, it shifted drastically where um, the the number one of the number one priorities for Adobe has been customer retention. And so that put our, uh, what we do as a team front and center in every single you know discussion going forward about how do we protect, uh, we call it RBOP, so recurring book of business. Essentially, it's the retention number. And how do we work more closely in um, developing that so that we can ensure that customers, you know, they feel they're getting the value from the solutions, but how do we also at the same time create those, those champions or the advocates within those customer bases? Because if we have, you know, um, you know, only one, only one customer or one user in that, um, in that organization, you know, there's, there's potential risk and churn that could be involved in that. So our mission has always been around, how do we drive deeper relationships with those customers? How do we get them to see the value? And then how do we partner with a customer success organization to make sure that we're aligned and how do we approach them? How, I think one of the, maybe the second million dollar question of uh, 2020 is, is also, it's something that we've heard a bunch is, you know, how do you start tying some of the activities that you're doing with advocacy and um, community and all these things to, you know, business outcomes. So are you, are you looking yeah. at like influenced revenue, you know, like what, the, what you're doing in some of these activities and how much you're influencing, or is it, you know, like you said, it's kind of based on renewal or retention rate. Curious how you've kind of tried yeah. to map that, that story out internally as well. So that's the, the that way I would definitely say that's either this, the second million dollar <laughs> question or, this, or, you know, the, the joint question, right? So um, we've been fortunate that we're, I would say our, our team is a little bit more advanced from, other customer organizations or customer marketing teams that I've seen in the past in that we've actually built out what we call like an advocate score. And so we use Marketo sort of the backbone for that. And similar to how like lead scoring works, you're you're measuring, uh, you know, the propensity of a of a, a lead moving down the funnel to buy more or take a meeting with the sales rep, right? We've kind of flipped it where we've created an advocate score, which takes in all the different touch points from our community, our user groups, our sales references, and we boil that into 
a score to help us identify who are our best advocates. Um, so we have an actual, you know, um, advocate nurture that people go through. They self-identify themselves on the types of programs that they're interested in. And then the output of that, which we're still kind of building out today, is we want to be able to compare accounts that have advocates to those that don't and see what's the likelihood or the impact churn. And so that's sort of like the holy grail mission of what our team is trying to get after. Because if we can be able to see that and we can show that to the higher ups and and all the leaders across the board, you know, getting budget and resources would be a no brainer. Right. And so um, I'd like to say that we've completely figured it out, but we haven't, you know, this is sort of a work in progress model that we've started to build out last year. Um, And then similar to that, we also have um, with the adoption team, uh, our customer adoption team, they're also using the adoption score and they're also looking at their impact to that RBOB number to help it show, you know, how much protected revenue, you know, their programs have driven for the business. Yeah, that's, that's great. And that's, um, I like, so we are asking ourselves, um, again, it's not that the Holy grail question, but I think one question that I'm trying to get our teams to answer right now is if we have a customer or if we have a contact who is engaged in our community, um, you know, how likely are they to renew or like in the past, you know, how likely has that made them to renew? And if they're more engaged in the community, does that make them more likely to renew? So, but I'm just trying to boil it down to like a very simple question. And it's like, you know, I know in some cases it's not going to be statistically relevant or there's not going to be the right you know measures around it, but at least like, can we, can we at least get directionally like, Hey, if they're in the community, we can see that it actually leads to, you know, better outcomes for us as a business. Cause I, again, I think there's even that little simple of a, um, directional story, I think is just helpful to gather momentum and get people excited. You know, it's not going to help us maybe drive business business decisions, but it's going to help us drive the people and the momentum that we can get internally to say, Hey, if, when we actually invest in this, look what can happen and look at the results that come. And I think people sometimes maybe miss out on that because they're a little bit too worried about, Hey, what's our actual ROI? And can I go defend this to the CEO or the CFO? And like, again, I, that is definitely needed, you know, at some point down the line, but I think sometimes missing that first question can stall momentum. And then you're, you don't have employees internally wanting to fight for something like this as well. Yeah, hundred percent. Like I think historically, it's always been sort of like a nice to have. You see, like maybe it's not on your CEO's mind where they think, oh, community engagement, it's great, it's nice to have, it's something that we want to continue to foster and build. But I think the other thing when we when we start to think about like how do you create real customers for life, and a lot of times, you know, a customer will move from job to job over the every two or three years, right? And so where they, in one situation, they might be working for a small organization where maybe the dollar value of that account is relatively low. Maybe it's like $20,000, $30,000, but that customer has been using your software for let's say 10, 15 years. They're already invested in it. They see the value. And eventually when they start looking for that next job, they might be, you know, they might become a, a VP at, you know, Morgan Chase or something like that. When now they have much more impact in, you know, driving bigger decisions, creating more value for, you know, your subscriptions. And so I think regardless of the size of that organization, the size of that customer, similar to how, you know, one conversation that happens in community may not mean that much, but it creates a snowball effect. And I think it's something that will take time, you know, it might take a couple months, might take a year, might take a couple years, but eventually you're going to start to see that outcome and that impact drastically uh, influence your bottom line. And I think if you can start to get your executive stakeholders to think in those terms, rather than just, you know, that, that next transaction value, that's when they start to see that transformation or they start to see that growth that, that really happens. It's almost like you can feel it before you can measure it. Right. Just, exactly. It's like you, you can feel customers rallying around topics and getting engaged and you see it happening, 
but then to quantify it is a whole different thing. And I think to your point, to the point Jeff was making, like when we, we get into these conversations that demand precision and it sort of blows the whole thing up before it gets, before it becomes a snowball. Like I love the, the uh, analogy there. That's just like rolling down the hill on its own. So I, I, I love the idea of the advocate score, by the way, can you, can you comment a little bit more on, on how like tactically y'all are doing that? Yeah, so we uh, I mentioned, uh, so we use Marketo as sort of like the mechanism to take all these different data points. So we look at, um, you know, we, we have integrations with like Salesforce with, um, for our users, we use something called Bevy, which is a community uh, engagement platform. Um, and so we look at you know, attendance on, um, on user group meetings. We look on, you know, how does that tie back to the accounts that we're working with? And so by doing so, we get all this like aggregated data and then we're able to see which of our uh, accounts have advocates that we work with closely. And so we look at different touch points on, you know, are they applying for a champion program? Um, did they win a customer award? Uh, did they do a case study or do a testimony with us? Did they do a reference call? And so all these different touch points then aggregates into, you know, we weigh it based on, you know, certain levels. And so maybe uh, winning a, an award might be worth more than, you know, doing a reference call or, you know, vice versa. So all those different touch points then help us determine what is our overall impact from an advocate standpoint. And then how is it influencing that particular account? How does it influence different segments we work with? So we of course have like a, a growth segment and then our enterprise segment, which is the, the larger accounts. Um, and then we can sort of see our influence um, over time. Um, and then the nurture is sort of tied to that too. So as people go through our nurture, um, they self-identify themselves as I kind of mentioned earlier and then through that process, then we're able to help grow and aggregate that score to get have a, a greater impact. Is there any when you think about those programs and um, I don't know how many different like nurtures or campaigns like do you think you have running at any given time? If you had to like throw out a number, I don't know if you know that exactly. Um, like. Yeah, I mean, at least from a, a customer standpoint, we typically have one main advocate nurture that we're running. And then we're eventually going to segment it where we have um, two different nurtures. So one that's sort of like a phase one where it's folks that are just getting sort of acclimated to the idea of, you know, working more closely with Adobe from an advocacy standpoint. And then a phase two, which is more for advanced users where they can kind of take like a, an advocate quiz, uh, if you want to think of it that way, where they can... Um, you know, they can self-identify themselves, but they could say if they've been a little bit more invested or they've been around a little bit longer. Um, and so then we'll serve up certain types of opportunities based on that, that persona, that individual. Yeah. Um, and then of course we have the, the, the adoption nurtures that are ongoing um, since the time that they actually go through that, that whole onboarding experience. And that's all running in Marketo? Yeah, so we're using Marketo um, as sort of the backbone for everything. Do you have a, this is super tactical, but do you have a member of your team who has access and who's actually driving those campaigns out of your organization? Yeah. So we have, um, I guess there's a couple of folks. So one, they actually called it <laughs> the name, the, the name the acronym she gives herself is crop. So customer retention operations or oh, cool. know, crops for short. I like it. Um, so it's slightly different from the traditional marketing operations role or mops role where they're morally focused on, you know, demand gen and the MarTech stack and all that. Yeah. She's helping to support it more from a, a customer lens and making sure that we have a seat at the table when technology uh, discussions are happening that are going to influence customers, but also making sure that we have a sort of a governance model in place when we're sending out communications to customers. Because oftentimes 
Um, you know, you might get demand gen emails, you might get promotional emails, and you also have customer emails, and then everything kind of gets too inundated, and then the customer wants to unsubscribe. Yeah. So just kind of basic stuff like that um, to ensure that we're, we're maintaining like a healthy database. That's great. We uh, we're we're a marketer customer at HireLogic, so oh nice. Uh, it gives me like great great hope that that we can accomplish this advocate program out of that platform instead of maybe others. Well, one other kind of question I wanted to, to maybe throw in there too. I know, Kevin, you've clearly spent a long time doing this. So uh, I would say a lot of our community members out there are, you know, leading kind of B2B SaaS customer success organizations. They're maybe thinking about advocacy programs for the first time. So like, you know, if you had to go back to your, you know, before you were able to kind of put this into systems um, and, you know, get sophisticated with Marketo and all this stuff, like what would you tell them just to get started kind of zero, zero to one almost? Like how do you just get this off the ground if you're just trying to identify advocates or just trying to think about this program and getting it off the ground? I don't know if you've got any early thoughts yeah. to, to leave with our, some of our, our folks. Um, I mean, I would say a lot of, usually if they're getting started, what they might have previously is like a list of advocates that might exist on a spreadsheet, right? I mean, that's like a simple basic thing. And oftentimes it ends up being like a part-time role for someone where it's like, if they have any spare time, let's start to build up a, a list of advocates that can then do different things for us, whether it's like speak at events, customer references, you name it. I think the way that you start to get the initial buy-in to get that as a particular role that gets filled is you start to have those conversations with your C-suite leaders and, and just describe like, you know, especially with COVID going on, you know, the the emphasis on reinventing yourselves from a, a customer standpoint to show that you appreciate your customers and you want to do more and actually invest particular program dollars behind it is what's going to start to move the needle to help retain customers and also help you to acquire new customers down the road. So usually off the bat, most customers or more, most organizations start with some type of customer reference program and they do customer stories as sort of like a byproduct of that. But I don't think you necessarily need to limit yourself between those two camps. Um, I think oftentimes if you start to do it, just those two, you also get pigeonholed into being sort of like a order taker um, or an individual that just kind of fulfills tickets and things, you know, from your sellers and whatnot. I think if you want to move towards more of a transformational impact in a role, it has to be focused around your community. And so whether it's to elevate the importance of your community or to create sort of that elite, you know, champion program, if you want to call it that, it could be sort of a hybrid of a, a, a cab, if you will. Um, but I think investing in sort of that type of um, program is going to start to create that dividend because it can help fulfill a lot of different other ask requirements down the road. And it doesn't have to be big or, or um, could you start with like 15, 20 customers? But if you give them that white glove service, that's when it's going to start to take off from there. Yeah, I love that. I, th I think that's also been a theme we picked up earlier on too, which is you focused on um, smaller number, higher quality, you know, is what I, I picked up from that, right? Focusing on them first, because that's where you're going to get kind of the... Uh, amplification to really start from. And those are the voices that people are going to maybe closely associate themselves with as well. I yeah. think that's another thing that we think about often, especially in the customer success world we're coming from is, you know, which customers might reference one another. And that's really why you want to start segmenting customers and giving them similar experiences because, you know, I want to give Kevin and Adobe an experience that then, you know, Google wants or whoever else is on that same page. Right. And so um, I often think about that too, um, how that comes into to play a lot. Awesome. Well, Kevin, uh, we always like to give people we like to build people up on our podcast podcast. So is there anywhere uh, you like to do any writing or do you tweet a lot or uh, do you write on LinkedIn? Like where should people go follow you if they're, they're interested in, uh, in finding you? Um, I'm not the best tweeter, but <laughs> I probably post the most content on LinkedIn. Um, so that's probably where you could probably connect with me the most. 
Awesome. Kevin Lau on LinkedIn and uh, look for uh, the Global Director of Customer Advocacy and Digital Experience uh, at Adobe. So perfect. Kevin, thanks a lot for uh, taking the time. We'll do this again soon. Yeah, well, thanks again. Appreciate it. Thanks, Kevin. Hey, everybody. Jay here. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. You know, this started as a labor of love for Jeff and I a couple of years ago, and it's really turned into a movement around customer success and community, and we couldn't be more thrilled to be a part of it. Um, we grow this by word of mouth, so we'd, we'd love it if you're willing and you find value in what you hear on this podcast. Leave us a rating or a review on, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It'll help us grow and, and provide value to more customer success professionals. Also, if you haven't yet, please sign up for Gain, Grow, Retain, the online community. It's gaingrowretain.com. You can meet other people, make one-on-one connections, share ideas, get ideas, grow your career ultimately. Um, be on the lookout also for live events, both in person and virtual this year. We're excited to get back to that. And thanks for being part of the community. We look forward to talking to you soon.